that we will find tonight. And you know, the longer I live, look at, look at where, his, where this is. If I get tired, I can just lean on it. <laughs> Brother Craig, why do you have such a red spot in your forehead? I got tired during the sermon. <laughs> I almost fell asleep. What are you doing? That's an obstruction in my eyesight. Could be a windshield wiper. <laughs> I'll just put her over there. <laughs> uh, where was I? I've been thinking a lot about the message that God put on my heart. You know, a lot of times in the Christian life, uh, as of December 8th, I have both of my birthdays in December. December 8th is my spiritual birthday. As of this uh, December 8th, I'll have been saved 48 years. And my physical birthday is the 19th, and I'll be 67, or what I like to refer to, 22 and a half for three times. That's a little better. I like to think that way. But you know, the Christian life, the longer I live, the more I see what a challenge it really is to understand the Christian life. For instance, Thanksgiving is coming up, and of course we, we like Thanksgiving, but every woman has a family recipe, or she's received a recipe that is a very special recipe, and she doesn't like to give it out, because that's her recipe. So we'll break them out at Thanksgiving, a lot of times Christmas time, and we make them. But here's what I want. I want this in your mind before we start the message tonight. If you have one, a mind. When a woman makes a recipe, or a man, uh, we men like to cook too, but when you make the recipe, what is it? Is it the lady or the person that makes a recipe or is it the actual ingredients of the recipe that gives the result? So I know we, we like to think it's the person making it, and a lot of times they take great care to guard it. Friends, I know this for a fact. I know some mother-in-laws will not give their daughter-in-laws the right recipe. They will keep one ingredient out. You know that's true. That is true. Or they change it either too much or, or too little. And it changes the end result. But in the Christian life, I want you to understand this, the Christian life has ingredients that if you don't apply them, you will never, ever see the result. There is nothing like a good recipe with great flavor that you enjoy all the different ingredients. True? I can tell. I, you can tell I'm on the level. My bubble's in the middle. I mean, it's. I like to eat. I do. But here's the thing. The Christian life. Think of this. Think of this now. You're saved. God said we are to be Christians, Christ-like. And yet you and I as God's people, let's be honest. How many of you, don't raise your hand because all of us raise both hands, both legs, how many of you have been disappointed in the Christian life? How many of you have actually been upset with God? Now don't say you haven't because you're lying right now. And if you haven't been upset or discouraged or despondent 
or to the place where you just said, I just wish I had throw the towel in. I'm so tired of this. I'm tired of failing. I'm tired of the old nature. When someone asked me, they said, Brother Crichton, do you wake up grouchy in the morning? And as I've said before, no, I let her sleep. <laughs> well, let's face it. When we wake up in the morning, some days we're grouchy. I look in the mirror and I get in an argument with the fellow I look at. <laughs> but you know what? The Christian life does not have to be that way. You have to understand that God, when he saved us, he never saved us to be defeated, to be despondent, to be discouraged. Now, come on. Let's, let's think of the Lord just for a moment. Can you see the Lord walking around kicking things and get out of the way? <laughs> Having a bad day. Well, what if the Lord came to the disciples and said, hey, he said, don't talk to me today, I'm having a bad day. Huh? Or you, you begin to pray, our Heavenly Father, he said, don't talk to me today, don't try to get a hold of me today, I'm not answering, I'll put you on call forwarding, put you on the answer machine. Aren't you glad that God is always, always, always there with open arms? Honestly, did it ever occur to you that nothing ever occurs to God? That God always has an everlasting love with his arms out to you. He's always waiting to hear you. When we come here to Mark chapter 6, now I've got to hurry. The preacher said we have to be out by midnight. That only gives me three hours. <laughs> I knew that's the first time two of you gave eye contact. You do have two eyes. Amen. It's great. But here in Mark chapter 6. Now you've heard this preach before, but I want you to listen tonight because I'm gonna, I want to present it in a different fashion. And I want to give two parts to the title. The Lord Jesus Christ, I want you to think about this. The Lord Jesus Christ has the ability to conceal himself in the storm then reveal himself. He will conceal, then he reveals. And I'm going to give you three different parts to the title that I give you, but the whole title would be Unexpected Storms That Come Into Our Lives. So begin here with me in Mark chapter 6, verse number 45, it says, And straightway he constrained his disciples to get into a ship, and to go to the other side before unto Bethsaida while he sent the people away. And when he had sent them away, he departed into a mountain to pray. And when evening was come, the ship was in the midst of the sea and he alone on the land. And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them. And about the fourth watch of the night he cometh unto them walking upon the sea and would have passed by. But when they saw him walking upon the sea, they disposed it had been a spirit, and they cried out. For they all saw him and were troubled, and immediately he talked with them, and he saith unto them, Be of good cheer, it is I, be not afraid. Our Father tonight, please help me to convey to God's people the principles, and may they understand and see exactly, clearly, how that you conceal and reveal yourself 
in the time of unusual circumstances. And we'll be careful. Thank you for these things in Christ's name. Amen. I want to draw your attention back, if I could, to verse number 49. It says, but when they, when they, in other words, all of them saw him, when they saw him walking upon the sea, they supposed it to be what? And cried out. Now, wait a minute. This is the Lord Jesus Christ. You see, the storm was raging. And because of the fear and because of the darkness and because of all the surroundings, it was the Lord Jesus Christ walking on the sea to go to them, to go to the other side. But when they saw him, they thought it was a phantom. They were fearful. It was the Lord Jesus Christ. And the thing the Lord had to do, he called out to them and he said, Be of good cheer, it is I. Be not afraid. All right, so the disciples, this first instance, we see that he is considered a spirit. Okay, hold your finger right there. Go over to the book of Luke, Luke chapter 24. This is after the Lord Jesus Christ has been crucified. We know that there's two disciples on the road to Emmaus. And as they are walking, the Lord Jesus Christ is going to join himself as they are on their way walking in a desert place. In Luke chapter 24 and verse number 13, it says, And behold, two of them went the same day to a village called Emmaus, which is from Jerusalem, about threescore furlongs. And they talked together of all the things that had happened. And it came to pass, while they communed together and reasoned, Jesus himself drew near and went with them. But notice what verse 16 says. But their eyes were holded that they should not know him. And he said unto them, What manner of communication are these that you have one with another as you walk and are sad? And one of them, whose name was Cleopas, answered, saying unto him, Art thou only a what? In Jerusalem, hast thou not known the things which have come to pass in these days? And he said unto them, What things? And they said unto him, Concerning Jesus of Nazareth, which is a prophet, mighty indeed in word before God and all the people, and how the chief priests, have our rulers, delivered him to be condemned to death, and have crucified him. But we had trusted that it had been he which should have redeemed Israel. Besides this, today is the third day since these things have these things were done. Okay, the first time the disciples see him in a time of terror, in a time of fear, in a time of all anguish, and they think it's a phantom. Here's another time. This is a time of grief, time of heartache a time of uncertainty, again, they don't recognize. Jesus is walking right there in their presence, and they do not see him. Go over to John chapter 20. We know that the Lord Jesus Christ, the first one he appeared to after the resurrection was Mary Magdalene. And we find another occasion where Jesus Christ is not going to be recognized. John chapter 20 and verse number 11 It says, but Mary stood without at the sepulcher weeping. And as she wept, 
she stooped down and looked into the sepulcher, she seeth two angels in white sitting, one at the head and the other at the feet, where the body of the Lord had lain. And they say unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? She saith unto them, Because they have taken away my Lord, and I know not where they have laid him. And when she had thus said, she turned herself back and saw Jesus standing and knew not that it was Jesus. Jesus saith unto her, Woman, why weepest thou? Whom seekest thou? And she supposing him to be what? She saith unto him, Sir, if thou hast borne him thence, tell me where thou hast laid him, and I will take him away. Jesus saith unto her, Mary, she turned herself and said unto him, Rabboni, which is to say, Master. Three times. His disciples, in the midst of a storm, in the midst of turmoil, trouble, doubt, fear, Jesus was right there, and they didn't recognize him. The second time, after the death of Jesus Christ and the disciples walking on the road to Emmaus, they have heard about this thing that Jesus has been resurrected. They haven't seen him. There's a lot of question about the resurrection of Christ and they have doubt, grief, and all types of things flooding their mind. Jesus himself approaches and walks directly with them and begins to question them. And they said, Art thou but a stranger? The third time, Mary Magdalene, she has been one that has stayed there all night by herself. And in the morning, the resurrection morning, now the body of Christ is gone. She has a lot of reservations, doesn't understand. And so she backs up and turns and sees who she supposed is the gardener. She did not recognize the Lord. I want you to understand something very important. In all three of these instances, it was the Lord Jesus Christ speaking to them directly that brought the revelation to their heart that it was the Lord Jesus. And when you and I are going through the storms of life, don't be amazed or don't be discouraged when fear comes into your heart or sudden something sudden comes into your life and you may doubt and you may not see the Lord in what is going on in your life, but I want you to know he's there. He's right there with you, even though you can't recognize him. There's a storm going on right now with this microphone. You're right in the midst of a storm, amen? But here's what I want you to see tonight. Let's go back to the text first, if we could. Go back to Mark chapter number 6, and I want to read our text that we'll use tonight, found in verse number 48. And I want to just make a few comments about this. It says in verse number 48, it says, And he saw them toiling and rowing, for the wind was contrary unto them, for it was about the fourth watch of the night, that he cometh unto them, walking upon the sea, and would have passed by. Now the first thing I want you to understand here. Remember the day, they just had a tremendous day. The Lord Jesus Christ fed the 5,000. They think there could have been up to 15,000 people with the women and children. 
they had a festive day. They had an amazing day where the Lord Jesus Christ did a miraculous thing. But now he constrains them. Right at the end of the day, he constrains them to get into the ship and to go to the other side. Now, wait a minute. Wait a minute. See, what we have to understand is when the Lord Jesus Christ says something, we can't forget what he has told us. He said, go to the other side. Now, I've been on the Sea of Galilee years ago. I had the opportunity. I went on a boat, went out in the middle of the Sea of Galilee. It's, a, it's like a huge, beautiful lake. Possibly three to three miles wide, maybe 12 to 15 miles long. And when you get out there, it is beautiful. But it's amazing. The winds come off the Mediterranean Sea there. And of course, one side is desert, the other side the Mediterranean. And so when those winds come across, they hit those warm winds. And before you know it, it begins a churning. And every day, two, three, four o'clock, that water will just get turned up. And so those disciples, many of them, were brought up right on the Sea of Galilee, were they not? They were fishermen. They knew that area. But the Lord Jesus Christ constrained them. What does it mean? It means he said, get into the ship. There's no ands, ifs about it. Get into the ship and go across to the other side. Well, the day is almost over. Well, what should have taken them about an hour and a half to two hours max, they are now nine hours into the storm. When they left, it was just a nice breeze, a nice evening breeze. But they got out just not too far. And the breeze turned into gale winds. I want you to know there's sudden storms that will come into our life that we're not even aware of. We have no idea that they're coming. That's why we live by faith. But we have to remember that Sea of Galilee, the ocean, or not the ocean, but the Sea of Galilee, when the Lord says, go to the other side, he is told all of us that we are to live the life of faith and we launch forth from the day of salvation. We are to go across and go to the other side to the end of life and God says he will meet us there. So that sea or the Sea of Galilee would represent life as general. But here they launch out and all of a sudden, I want you to think about this. They are rowing. They didn't have a Johnson didn't have an avenue, didn't have a mercury. They had arm power. They didn't have horsepower. I don't know about you, but if you haven't rowed against the wind, how many of you have tried to row and keep the bow of the ship in, right in the point of the wind? Man, if, if it's a light ship, it's blown, it's blown the, the bow back and forth. It takes a lot of work. But these men, think of this now. They've just had a great day, and they're talking about the day, and they, they launch forth, and they're rowing, and all of a sudden, the storm comes. And I'll guarantee you what they start saying to one another, what in the world, if the Lord knows everything, why would he send us right into the storm? What good is a storm? I don't know about you, but I have never wished a storm in my life. I've been on the water a lot. I've gone ashore 100 miles out to fish two-day fishing trips. I've been on the ocean a lot over the years, and I've never wished for a storm. But I've been into a lot of quick squalls that, of squalls that come up and storms come suddenly. But I want you to see four things here. Number one, the first thing I want you to see, he saw them toiling and rowing. 
the word, the word toiling there means they were in great distress. Almost the word tormented. They were literally tormented. This storm was raging. And I don't know about you, but I've been in my life, I've had some storms that were out of control, out of my control, and there wasn't any way for me to stop or to change the course. I just had to ride it out. Years ago when I went out of Gloucester on that two-day fishing trip, we left at 10 o'clock at night. We had 35 guys. We had a 100-foot footer. That's a good-sized boat. Twin screws, diesel engines. We are going out 100 miles to fish. It was going to take eight hours to get out. And I'll never forget, I was standing right on the, I love to get right at the bow of the boat. I love to stand right up on the bow. And I love the rollers as we pull out of port. And boy, we, the jetties were there. And as we pulled out, as soon as we got beyond the breakers, I could feel the swells of the waters starting. And boy, I love the sound. Boy, the, the water coming against the bow there, and of course, uh, hearing the waves beginning to roll and to break over. And I stood out there, the wind, nice breeze. We got out about an hour, and boy, those rollers started getting bigger. Bigger. We got out about almost two hours and we are already into four footers, six footers. And I began to get sort of concerned because they said there could be a storm coming and the captain said, we're going to go around the storm. He said, don't have to worry about anything. We'll be out there right on schedule. By the time we're about five hours out, those six footers are now eight footers, 10 footers, 12 footers, 14 footers, 16 footers. 17 foot seas. And by the time they became 14 footers, the captain said, I want all of you to go down into the hall, get into your bunks, and just hold on because we're going to ride it out. Well, we got down in that enclosed place, and I'll guarantee you when, you, when you have 15, 16, 17 foot seas, I don't care how long a ship is, when that comes up and comes down, it feels like it's going to snap. The hall's going to snap right in half. And for eight hours, we were in that storm. And I'm telling you, when those guys, some of them started getting sick, and they started emptying out everything they had, and we are all enclosed in that little hall down there holding on, and you can imagine it was not party time. <laughs> It was not a good time. My dad and I were the only ones that didn't do what all the others did. We held on to the cookies. <laughs> we loved dessert. <laughs> and boy, six o'clock in the morning, I began to feel all of those winds begin to subside and the waves started dying down. And when they got to be about six footers, I jumped up out of the rack. I went down, up the stairs, and went up to the captain. I asked him if I could come up, and I went up to the captain's quarters up there, and I said, why in the world didn't you turn this thing around? He said, I couldn't do it. He said, the, the waves are so close. He said, if I tried to turn it, I'd have breached the ship. I'd have rolled it right over. He said, I had to go through the storm.
the Lord Jesus Christ who's trying to teach his disciples. When you go launch forth in life, there is no turning around. You've got to go through the storms. Now the second part there, it said the winds were contrary unto them. In other words, the wind was full force into the face. They couldn't do anything but to keep straight in, and I mean those winds were hitting them. Can you imagine? They had to keep the ship straight no matter what was going on. You can imagine the fear that was going on in their hearts. These are men that have been experienced. These are men that have fished the Sea of Galilee, and yet they were fearful. They had never encountered a storm like that. There'll be some times in your Christian life where you're going to be put in places you've never been before. Don't you think it's unusual? Because, listen to me very closely, if you don't get anything else out of the message, I want you to get this one thing. You see, it is the very element that you and I fear the most in life is the very path that our Lord approaches on to meet us in the storm. I don't know what it is. It could be a financial thing. It could be a health thing. It could be a tragedy. Whatever it is, the very thing you would dread the most is the very thing that you will find how real God is. You see, Lance Habner said, you will never know what Christ really means to you until he's the only thing you have. And the Lord will have a way of putting you into a place that you have never been before, where no one else can help you, not your spouse, not your family, not your employer, not your wealth, anything can help you. He will put you where you will have to cry out to him and him alone. Now something else. There are four watches. The first watch, second, third, fourth. Now the Lord Jesus Christ comes at the fourth watch. That was when the storm was at its max. But remember this, it was at the darkest of the dark, the water, the waves, the wind, the darkness, it was at the peak. That's when he came. The Lord never comes usually in the first watch. That's when you begin to cry out, but he always wants to delay. One thing about prayer, I have always found that God always delays. Don't be fearful. It's not that he's ignoring, but he has a greater miracle. He has a greater thing. He wants to teach you and train you in learning how to wait on him during the storm. And then the Bible says, notice the last part of that. It says in verse 48, <clears throat> It says, walking upon the sea, and he would have what? Can you imagine that? The Lord Jesus Christ, was, he was going to walk right on by him in the storm. Why? Because he said, I'll meet you on the other side. 
even though he was right there in the storm with them, they saw him. And if you read in Matthew's account, Peter said, Lord, if it's really thee, bid me to come out and walk on the water to go to thee. And Jesus said, all right, Peter, wait just a minute. Don't you understand the laws of gravity? Don't you understand, Peter, nobody's ever walked on water? What's wrong with your head, Peter? It's a storm. No, he never said that at all, did he? Imagine that. Now, wait a minute. Peter knew the Sea of Galilee. Probably as good or better than any of them. We're in the middle of a storm. He's inside a ship. At least there's some safety. Why would anyone step out and want to do something that nobody's ever done before in the middle of the night, the waves, the wind, and the water? You know why? Wait a minute. Because Peter said, if that's the Lord and he's out there in the storm, I'd rather be with him alone in the storm than I would with these guys here. I'll step out and go to Jesus. But may I say to you tonight, you'll never find out how precious the Lord is until you are in the middle of the storm of your life. And you cry out and you say, Lord, Lord, where are you? And a small, small, still voice will say, In the moment, Peter stepped out of the ship, stepped down out of the ship. He began to walk on the water. He was doing something no one in the history of mankind has ever done outside Jesus Christ. But God in the middle of a miracle. But the moment, again, he took his eyes off the Lord, what happened? He began to sink. And you and I, that's the mystery of faith. Faith and doubt. Faith and doubt. But aren't you glad even in the middle of his doubt as he was sinking, he said, Lord, save me. Jesus just reached out and said, you're all right, I got you. In other words, in the storms of life, you will never be further than arm's length, arm's length from Jesus to you. He's always you never have to worry about that. He'll always be right there. I'll close with this. In 1998, I was fishing with my son-in-law. The day after Thanksgiving, 1998. Let's see, that's how many years is that? Who's the math fisherman here? Quickly. What is it? 17 years? Is that what it is? Okay, right now. A day after Thanksgiving of this month, it was 9 o'clock at night. We were out night fishing, going out for uh, stripers. The big lunkers, bigger, you know, they've all come, fattened up over the season. They're coming back down through and uh, get one last shot at hooking that big one, you know. And so we are on our way out. It's a beautiful night. Sun, the, the sun, the moon was out. Had the winter clothes on, and boy, we are on our way out. Had these big yields. Man, you hook them in the lip, and man, just like this, boy, they... And you throw those in there and drift them. Whoa, boy, those big blunkers hit those things. They ambush them, you know. So we're almost out to the place and we're cutting across there. Everything's going great and suddenly, motor cuts out. We lost our motor. And come to find out, we hit lobster traps and the ropes wound tight around the 
We didn't know it at the time. He tried, well, he couldn't get it started. Well, there's a reef not too far, and at the, almost at the exact same time, a storm kicked up, a squall kicked up, and I mean, it, it got bad. Three, four, five-footers out in the sound there. We were three miles offshore, and so instead of going down through the cuddy cabin to, to pitch the anchor, I jumped up and on the gunnel, and I went around the side there, and as I went, the boat, the wind blew it and shifted, and a wave hit us broadside and launched me straight up off the ship in the middle of the air. And I said to myself, is this really happening? In a moment, I found out it was. And when I hit that water, you can imagine how cold it was. It's in January now. I had all my winter clothes on, and we are in the middle of a terrible rip. And that rip just... It's pulled me straight down, and I'm doing all I can. I'm With all of the strength I have, I'm trying to pull myself up, and I can't. I'm just being pulled under, under, and I said to myself, I'm drowning. I'm going to drown here. All I could see is a silhouette of the bottom of the ship, and that story of Peter came to mind. Your whole life, it does, it flashes before you. Midget's life is short anyway, so <laughs> my whole life passed. By. But in that moment, in that moment, everything went by. And all I could think about, I said, Lord, save me. You say, did you say that? I, no, I'm underwater. I thought it. <laughs> I, I thought it. And I'm telling you, as God is my witness at the judgment seat of Christ, I mean the very hand of God. I cannot even describe what he did. It was like God grabbed a hold of me and just shot me up like a bobber right out of the water. And I came right up on the backside of the boat there. My son-in-law ran around. He says, where have you been? I said, never mind where I've been. Get me into the boat, man. And so he pulled me in. Well, in the meantime, he'd got a hold of the towing company. And they were coming out to tow us in. And they got us hooked up and pulled us in. And this is what the man that ran the tow boat said. He said, I want you to know something. You boys, you guys are really lucky tonight. We said, well, why is that? He said, that area that you were in, we have lost over 40-some people that we've never found because of the rip down. I never told him. I went into the drink. But I'm telling you tonight, there are times in your life that you may only have enough time to say, Lord, save me. Lord, I've done that before. Going down icy roads and lose control and black ice. And, and I'd say, Lord, and just straighten the car right out and just keep it right on the road. I'm telling you, God will respond when you call out to him in the storm of life. So three things. Remember this. In the storms of life, don't be amazed. Happened to the disciples, happened to the best of Christians. They didn't recognize them. They didn't recognize them because of fear. They didn't recognize them at times because of doubt. They didn't recognize them because of grief. They didn't recognize them at times because of sorrow. You're no better than they are. We're no better. We will have the same types of times. But every time without any difference is this. They recognized him only when he spoke by his word, by the word of God. When you really need the Lord, 
This is his word. He will speak. And he will draw, draw nigh to you. Let's pray. Father, tonight, thank you.